Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. And we are back. We got an action-packed uh, weekend. Several tournaments throughout the uh, world this past weekend, mostly in Europe and Russia, and not Russia, excuse me, but other uh, places we don't normally hear about, like Spain, Germany, and other things. We're going to focus on three stateside tournaments and talk briefly about one in England. But first, let's get into the hobby news, which has been um, rather 40k light. We were just kind of discussing prior to the show. Yep, 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 yep. Um, a whole lot of war cry going on, which if you like that game, cool, good for you. Not my flavor. Um, the, yeah, I'm not a fan either. I, just, I can't put my finger on it, but yeah. <laughs> I, for me, it is. there is something to say about having a simplified game where it is literally your the number on the dice is what matters rather than making it so that way you swing as much luck into your advantage because, oh, one turn you roll all sixes, you can do a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Next turn you roll nothing but twos and you don't get to do diddly squat. Like it. On the flip side, though, I did kind of just peruse the article and they are coming out with a new edition. And interesting, they're inter- introducing, I can speak today, they're introducing a new mechanic called reactions. Stop me, you've heard that term before. <laughs> Well, from our little talk before the show about some things, I really do think that the rules writing, the rule writing team that wrote the Horus Heresy probably became the company favorite because it so far the Horus Heresy has gotten a whole bunch of positive reviews because of how clean the gameplay is, how straightforward the gameplay is kind of because Let's face it, it's 40k. It's going to be complicated. <laughs> but either way, the reaction system in Horus Heresy is definitely a really efficient system for letting players interact with each other. And it's interesting, you know, we were kind of going back and forth. Stratagems do allow you to uh, do some of that. And I actually did a reactive stratagem. Actually, it's not even a stratagem. So I actually set to defend in my last game. When was the last time we ever set to defend? And it was actually a pivotal move. It, it crippled my friend's uh, assault because he had two charges. He chose the first. I decided to interrupt with the guys who set to defend. So they're now hitting on twos and uh, took him down to enough wounds. He actually lost several attacks and lost him the unit by, in a few fight phases. That was the fun. That was very interactive, and it's not as convoluted as uh, some other games I can think of. <laughs> Affinity. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the, the set to defend stuff is something that I've, in, in my time of just playing Custodes, I've never had to worry about it because, I mean, I already hit on twos. Like, what are you going to do? Make me hit on threes? Ooh. But it, it definitely is if you learn how to use it properly then yeah, like it can be a humongous swing in how the fight phase goes. Because if I were to send in, oh, I'm going to send my Alorus Terminators into your, heaven forbid, a 10-man Incubi squad that you set to defend. And then I also send like Trajan and someone else over there. I was planning on fighting with Trajan over there first because that was the more important fight. That's why he's over there. 
So now, because you set to defend over there, is it better for me to continue my plan or is it better for me to, you know, go fight the incubi and make it so that way your set to defend becomes worthless? Right. So, but I think you hit it on the head earlier, cleaner, you know, so you, you, you eliminate this whole second economy of command points, which has been drastically changed from between Dachbund and uh, Nephilim. And um, so maybe that simplifies the game without taking out some of the strategy depth. Uh, I don't know if I said that well, but... Um, well, the the strategic depth of 40k does come from just player knowledge and practice. Because for me playing Custodes, my practice is just, okay, I have a two-up armor save, and as long as I stand in the building... I'm really, I'm even that much harder to kill. Whereas armies like Dark Eldar, Craft Worlds, where they don't have that bonus of being naturally tough and having really good armor saves, you stand in a building, you're still going to die to a stiff breeze because you're only toughness three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, improve my armor save from six to five, big deal. And, um, but yeah, the, going back to, you know, the still the most popular faction is going to be an armor of contempt style army. Mm-hmm. And absolutely a three plus armor. And now in the building is a two up ignoring uh, the one AP. So that makes them pretty tough, but again, it makes sense. There, there was a time when space Marines saw no benefit to being in cover in earlier editions. So I think we're on the right track, but um, yeah, if you look at the, the cross the board between uh, Horus Heresy, then you look at uh, Age of Thinkbar, especially with them, I think their user interface is one of the better ones. When you look at a weapon, it's this many dice to attack, this, this is what you hit on, this is the damage, this is the rend. I was like, in order, you know, why do we still have strength and toughness values the way they're listed on the, on the sheets? It's kind of archaic. We've kind of gotten used to, you know, it's just we're so used to playing it that way, but it, if you're new to the game, it's kind of it's not really intuitive to go, oh, I use this number for this and this number for that. So, Yeah, it is it is definitely something to say about Sigmar with them going, oh, hey, yeah, you hit on this number, you wound on this number, regardless of what you're punching. But at the same time, that is a, a minor inconvenience for some people like myself. I'm not going to hide the fact that I don't think a guardsman should be able to wound an Imperial Knight on a three with a with punching with its bare fist. Because <laughs> in the time of me playing Sigmar, I played Ogres. Ogres, they they hit on threes. Like they hit on threes or fours. They wound on twos or threes usually because they're big brutes, but they have no AP whatsoever because they're hitting stuff with sticks. And then, yeah, they do a whole bunch of damage for whatever gets through. But when you go, oh, hey, here's 26 attacks, blah, and you kill four models. Yeah, no, that's not the way I like looking at a game. So having some kind of sliding grade of, hey, I'm stronger than you. I hurt you better is something that I like. I mean, we could go all the way back to Warhammer Fantasy Battles if you want. 
That's not. I hated that game. I'm sorry. I know that's heresy. <laughs> I played that game multiple editions, and I was like, this just gets worse every time. But to your point, with yeah, what's one thing I never understood with Sigmar? I just assumed it was in the game, and because I didn't play it as much, that if you were playing ogres, like okay, according to this, my weapon says I wound you on threes. You interrupt me and go, uh, you're minus one to wound because my guys are tough. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Apparently, that's not in the game. So I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, most things like that from my rough memory is minus ones to wound and stuff sometimes is granted by magic powers or or some other kind of allegiance ability bonus or something. And minuses to wound are not very common as far as I remember where you can get a whole bunch of pluses to hit and those modifiers don't cap, mm. as far as I remember. Interesting. So anyway, so yeah, not a whole lot of news. There was a brief snippet, and by the time you're hearing this, it's already closed. Actually, the, the job was uh, posted by Games Workshop and was only open for 48 hours. But um, normally it's like, okay, another uh, uh, events supervisor or something like that. Nope, nope, nope. As we said, all things competitive, so we just wanted to report on this. It was a game developer specifically for match play in 40k. Yep. That caught me by surprise because I didn't know. So I read the job description and some of the things they asked you. How many events do you run? How many um, armies do you play? Do you like working with... Can you have show ex experience with statistical analysis? And uh, there's something else related to... Um, tournament play and it was something but it was it's not a across the board it was strictly for 40k and they had it was very interesting it was yeah the the job was literally i think on the website for 48 hours so if you didn't get it in uh unfortunate sorry you missed it uh on the other hand though it was you did be required to be able to work in the uk so hope you had your passport ready to go <laughs> which Honestly, I think at that point, with the way that sounds, because it's specifically developing for 40k, as much as I don't want to, and I know we talked about it before the show, I do think that they are bringing someone on to round out the match play specific part of 10th edition. And then the last thing, and it's totally off topic, so I'm going to catch Robert by surprise, and I know he hates when I do that. And you were talking on about, noodles what yeah exactly <laughs> so you were talking a little bit earlier you had a couple crusade games in and i was talking to my son and wouldn't it be a really cool show on warhammer plus if off camera they played their matches so unlike a battle report they spent the entire show talking about how they improved their armies between battles using the crusade system like the because I've been running a crusade for about four weeks now for our for sure blah, 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 for a shop out in Goodyear called Tabletop Wargamers. And I currently have 12 players, that's including myself, and people are enjoying the crap out of it. We have a handful of Space Marines, aka Space Wolves, Blood Angels, and herp derp i know there's one other one we also have a person playing sisters of battle we have an adeptus mechanicus 
And then we have a Necron, a Drakari, a Tau, Craft Worlds. And then we have Night Lords and Chaos Knights. Those are the ones that I can remember easily off the top of my head. I don't think that was 12, but I mean, it's still pretty big showing. And campaign systems are a fun way for people to slowly build their armies and have fun with it. Sounds like a cool game. And, and as I read their Crusade rules, which are usually right in the middle of when I'm trying to look up a, a rule match play, but I read through them and they're, they're even, I kind of jokingly say, you could take the match, those, excuse me, the campaign rules and literally recreate um, planetary empires all over again. You know, you just have like some uh, abstract system for doing combat. So you don't have to play the whole 40K games for each um encounter and so you could speed the game along and kind of run it like a board game i think but this would be awesome so yeah it's it's definitely been enjoyable because of the fact that it's it's the way i've been able to get my feet wet playing chaos knights and so far crowning achievement is knight rampager killed a land raider picked it up threw it at someone but yeah no it's the advantage of narrative allows for players to slowly grow into their army and then once they're more comfortable with it then they can hop over to match play where things get a little harder to chew on (laughs) because of the fact that there's a lot more to keep track of and write down at least for keeping track of points and all that wonderful jazz sounds pretty cool i think that's the only thing i negative i've heard about uh the camp the uh, crusade system is all the bookkeeping. So, but I think it'd be a lot of fun if that was a separate part of the game. So, yep, it definitely is. Hey everyone, Eric from the Exterminatus podcast to tell you about the Smite Club Open. That's right, coming up this September 10th and 11th at the Bell Bank Park Fieldhouse in Mesa, Arizona. 128 players. We got six rounds, a ton of venues all around the particular area. To buy your tickets, you can get them at smiteclub40k.com backslash store. That's smiteclub 40 k dot com backslash store tickets right now are sixty dollars but if you wait uh, beyond august 10th they do go back up to seventy dollars so get your tickets now if you've been to our scorched earth open expect even more from this particular event once again smite club open september 10th and 11th hope to see you there all right speaking of bookkeeping as we mentioned three uh major tournaments we wanted to talk about this weekend one that we're not going to talk about a whole lot is you because we usually talk about it on the show is glass hammer gt number nine uh number seven eight brought all kinds of firepower to the uh, itc rankings but interesting enough uh the top three that have been fighting neck and neck um, Vic vijay david gaylard and manny jima none of those three were in attendance for that particular matchup so don't know uh what was going on but um as a matter of fact, none of them were in any tournament action this particular weekend. So that leaves it wide open for some of the uh, four through 10 slots to move up the rankings. So we'll have to go over some of those events and seeing that that happened. So, Robert, what's our first event? Well, we are going to make just a hop, skip, and a jump over the border, well, a couple of borders, over to Texas for the Lone Star Open from Frontline Gaming. Where everything's a little bit bigger. Yeah, this gigantic thing um had 220 players in it to give you a size of scale that's only two i think that's like two more than how many were out in atlantic city when i went there a few months ago 
Actually, last month. No, this month. Holy crap. It's been a while. So I don't the, know time. Yeah, time. Time has no meaning to Robert. He's in the multiverse. <laughs> but uh, clearly the largest event since the Nephilim, singles event, I should say, since the Nephilim book has dropped. Yeah. So for the top five, uh, we have Robert Hawkins, who is only playing Nurgle. There's no fancy like Death Guard or whatever. It is just Nurgle. We have Kevin McCorrick playing Chaos Knights. We have Vyasar Gannison playing Tyranids. We have Brad Townsend playing Thousand Sons. And then we have Marshall Peterson continuing the trend of, hey, Necrons, it's the Necron book. Necron should win things with a almost perfect 600 battle point score. Ooh. That's quite the, uh, quite the weekend if you're <laughs> rocking those kind of scores. Yep. The only person that did not give this guy a full 100 points was Red Powell. So that round he was playing again. <laughs> it was a Necron mirror. That was funny. There we go. Yep. But we have Marshall's list, which I'm assuming is probably the same. So it has the king, because why can't, why not? And then it's a Vanguard detachment that's worth 1,600 points. Wow. With um, a couple of Plasma Sites, a Catacomb of Man Barge, Luminor Zeris, a Reanimator, 1020 Lich Guard, and then we got 12 Scorpec Destroyers. Duh. In, th- in three separate units. So he has one, two units of three and one unit of six. And then as Fast Attack, he has one unit of Scarab Swarms, one unit of six Ophidian Destroyers, and then a single Locust Heavy Destroyer. So let's wait, this let's go back is... Again. How many Lich Guard did he have? 20. So two units of 10 or one Gargantuan? Two units of 10, because that is the maximum size of their units. Wow. And how did they have them kit out? Um, sword and board. So okay. essentially two up armor, four up invuln. I didn't think anybody was running Warsythe. It's been a while since people have done that, but wow, just wanted to make sure. That's pretty insane. Um, the the big thing about this list, because I own almost all of this, the between the Catacomb Command Barge, the Silent King, and the Zeris, you have three My Will Be Dones that exist. So those ones can go on the Lich Guard or the, usually on the Scorpex. It can also go on the Ophidians if for some reason you don't have the Ophidians deep striking somewhere. because And then also all of this does benefit from the extra movement of command protocols and whatnot from the Catacomb Command Barge because you can turn that thing sideways and just go, all right, relentless march, all of you get an extra inch. Woohoo. Hmm. Um, but the, the one piece that I definitely like in this is the Zerus shove. Because Zerus, you pick, you select one core unit. Yeah, one core infantry unit. And then you roll on a D3 table, and you can give like plus one weapon skill, plus one ballistic skill, or plus one toughness, that kind of thing. So you could conceivably walk around with toughness six Lich Guard and toughness six destroyers. Rude. Okay. Mm-hmm. And before 
I say anything else, I do need to look this up because I want to make sure that Zerus does have to pick an infantry thing because if it is just core, then there's a humongous rules issue. So, because the king now has core. Oh, you think he can upgrade the king? He can, in fact, upgrade the king. Because his mechanical augmentation, at the end of your movement phase, you can select one friendly Necron's core unit within six inches of this model. If you do, roll a d3 and consult the table. Either you give him plus one strength, plus one toughness, or plus one ballistic skill. Wow. So I remember Fabius Pyle has a similar ability, and I believe it had... I'll look it up just to make sure. In previous editions, it had a sp- specifically said you cannot do it to special characters. Interesting. But yeah, they added core after the fact, so it might just be an oversight. Yeah. But effectively what that means is when you roll mechanical augmentation, you can either you can make the king toughness eight. Which would be essential, because that's really one of the few downsides of the king. I mean it's not a huge downside, but But um Yeah, no, and comparing it to the new Fabius Bile, so you pick a you pick a Chaos Space Marine Corps infantry unit. So within three inches. Mm-hmm. does not have the mark of chaos keyword. So, yeah, I definitely think that this was probably a rules oversight of Zerus buffing the Silent King. Because that, that is honestly just nutty that that can happen. Whoops. Anyway, run with it while you can. <laughs> And you can thank Robert, uh, courtesy of the Exterminatus podcast, <laughs> for giving you that piece of cheese to add to your <laughs> foray and arsenal of Necron goodness. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's it's um, <laughs> that's not okay. Uh, I know for fluff reasons that's got to be the most hilarious thing. The Silent Kings are like, behold, my Zara, luminous, not now. <laughs> Stop it! Just one more tweak. No, no, I'm giving a speech. <laughs> no, 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 King. Here, here, have a syringe in the eyeball. Oh yeah. God! Oh. oh wait a minute, I'm strength eight now. <laughs> but um, the the one thing that did kind of pop up from the Lone Star Open, and I'm pretty sure people saw it on all over the internet for at least 24 hours was the the whoops-a-daisies of one Chaos Nightlist that was running around, which, after discussing with Eric before the show, and judging from what the internet has said, if you take Abaddon, you can't pick Chaos Knight secondaries or Chaos Space Marine secondaries. Yeah, it's a pretty funny list. I was trying to figure out how they were trying to come around that, but yeah. So Abaddon was his warlord, and he took a whole bunch of um, war dogs, dogs of war, whatever they're called, and was using Chaos Knight secondaries. And there was some confusion of whether that was legal or not. And we didn't know the answer. We kind of looked at it this morning, or this before the show here, when they're trying to figure it out. And it's each, each book says that everybody has to be of the same, have the matching keyword. So part of it's like says you couldn't take either codex secondaries. Yeah. That is the same consensus that I 
draw from that because the Chaos Knight one specifically says you have to have a Chaos Knight Warlord and everything has to be Chaos Knights, excluding Agents of Chaos, which Abaddon is if he is your Warlord. That's the issue. So at that point, I firmly believe that he could only draw mich- um, missions out of the Nephilim book and not from anything else, which at that point, you would have to go with just the generic secondaries because I say you draw them from the book, but all of the secondaries are in the book. <laughs> yeah, good point. But either way, still congrats to everyone that placed in the top five. It was one little oops of daisies and the person playing the Chaos Knights took it in stride and went, yeah, no, that was my bad. I whoopsed. And he actually wanted to concede the game, but he and his opponent... Well, his opponent said, "Like no, 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 no. no. Let's let's just play it out, so that way maximum points can get scored for both of us. That kind of thing." So I don't know who I don't know which round it was in, but good good old sportsmanship. It's something that we don't have much around anymore. <laughs> who did? And so thank you. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations to all the winners. Uh, a couple of friends of ours were at Lone Star Open as well. Yep. Ben Jerk brought his orcs. He went four and two. He ended up coming in 28th place with an astounding record day one of only dropping 10 points. And then I think round one was when he ran into Leviathan and just bonked and only scored something like a 65 that game, I think. And then we have Joshua Gene, because his name is all capitals, you have to say it all serious. Like, who went three and three coming in 92nd. It's still no slouch to take three wins out of an event this size and finish in the top half of the pack. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. So congratulations guys. Nice job uh, representing the team out there as well. All right. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Our next event is where now? Oh, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump over to probably the saltiest city in Utah. It's literally Salt City. <laughs> Yeah, Salt City GT. And uh, what's our top five look like there? Well, top five starts with TJ Lanigan playing as Thousand Sons. Then we have Casey Glynn with Necrons. We have Isaac Sharp also with Necrons. And we have Sam Procopio with Blood Angels. And then Anthony, Avella, Anthony Vanilla taking Chaos Space Marines with a single draw to, I think, I would believe Sam Procopio. Yeah, 73-73 yes. uh, draw. Yep. But Ardvor taking an event that I believe they were also doing like some kind of coaching service there, I think. I've, I've seen it on some of their YouTube channels. They advertise it. I have not seen that, so I do apologize for that. No. But what does uh, Anthony's list look like? Because I see he's rocking Chaos Space Marines. Yep. So he brought along Black Legion. So he's got a big old Abaddon himself as warlord and then he has battalion detachment of emperor's children so he did not bring purely black legion he did not take zombie hordes of cultists 
But um, yeah, no. So along with Abaddon, he has a dark, yeah, a dark apostle with his little helpers, a disco lord with um some warlord traits and stuff that I don't know. He takes Lucius the Eternal, takes two blobs occultists, a eight no nine man squad of noise marines, and then a brick of. Chaos Terminators, a whopping one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them. Wow. He's got four. He's got four power fists, a chain fist, and a whole bunch of other wannabe lightning claws. And then two units of possessed, one unit of raptors, and we'll round it off a f- unit of havocs, all kitted out with lascans, and then the chains. <laughs> and he gave the champion two chainsaws because he didn't want to give it a gun. (laughs) But yeah, this is not what I expected to see. I know Emperor's Children tends to be slotted as one of the stronger natural uh, chapters of Chaos Space Marines. So I will have to look into this because that's a whole bunch of Terminators. Like that's I believe Marcus Slanesh is also making them fight first. I think yes. that's the bonus. I believe that's what it is. Let me uh, let me fuck that up for you. Marks of Chaos. Slanesh, if this unit starts the fight phase with engagement range, they fight first that phase. And if this unit has an icon keyword each time this model in this unit makes a melee attack, add one to its hit roll. And I believe oh. it does have yeah. that in there. Yep, I'm. And no, the Chaos Terminator squad does not have the icon keyword. So I cannot take that. So he's still hitting on his usual threes. But still, you got one chain fist, four power fists, four cursed weapons, and then he also has a relict, whatever the Black Ruin of Damnation does. I'm going to look that up because I'm not familiar with that. Black Ruin of Damnation. Uh, each time a model... Huh. Why is that on a Terminator champion? All right, never mind. Each time an attack is made uh, against the bearer, subtract one from the wound roll, and the bearer has the following ability, uh, Black Rune of Damnation, while an enemy Psyker was in 18 inches of the bearer. Each time a Psyker test is taken for that unit, it suffers a perils and a warp on any roll of double. Hmm. Yeah, because it almost sounds like the Black Rune of Damnation is a is a relic that you give, or is it a warlord trait? Uh, I'm looking something. I also noticed he has trophies of the Long War, so I wonder if this is similar to the Cult of Strife supplement, where you can give the sergeants uh, a limited number of relics. Yep. So I actually have it right here because I was looking for it myself. Must so, fast. so yeah, before the battle, mustering an army. If your warlord is Chaos Space Marine, woohoo! Um, Select one Traitorus Astartes, excluding characters, that has the word aspiring or champion in the profile. So at that point, yeah, you can give it to a sergeant. And you can give it to the following relics of Hypergrowth Bolts, Maelstrom's Bite, Ashen Axe, the Armor Diabolos, Viper Spite, Icon of the Hydra Cult, Distortion, Armor of Aberrants, Talons of the Night Terror, Claw of the Stygian, Claw of the Stygian Count, Spite Spitter, Axe of the Forge Master, Loyalty's Reward, Trophies of Slaughter, the Black Mace, the Worst Malice, Blade of the Relentless, and the Black Rune of Damnation. 
pretty cool stuff. I was wondering, because when I was reading the description for Black Rune, I was like, it's for a cultist. Wait a minute, how is he on Terminator? And then I saw that stratagem, and I kind of went, oh, let's take a look at that. Oh, I kind of... Well, for one, that first bullet of making each time an attack is made against that unit's minus one to wound. Mm-hmm. That's that's um yeah that would make that really really hard to chew through sure there's still only toughness four but you can never wound it better than a three that's pretty rough so all right well well played there anthony (laughs) yep i believe i believe the phrase there is he chose violence that day yes so with that, I think we can fly on over to the East Coast into the future or the past, whichever one it may be, over to the showdown at Frogtown. That is probably the funniest name of an event that I've ever heard. Yeah, another history lesson here from Uncle Eric here. Uh, Toledo, Ohio. I know what you're thinking. It's Ohio and kind of a small town, uh, but uh, it's actually a suburb of Detroit, believe it or not. Nice to have a job or at commute there every so often and uh but back in like the early days of competitive 40k one of the most dominant teams was the um was from the toledo yeah, it's the toledo game room team and uh, so it's really cool to see a large tournament and uh see these guys kind of back on the map again so really glad to talk about this tournament yep so we do have the top five of for one, I, I'm going to remark at this. The first seven spots are all filled with people from the same club. Yeah. All I got to say is they, they've been doing their homework. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, I'm not saying that's fishy at all. Like Thomas Ogden is up there and Dan got to play him in Atlantic City. But the top five are, in fact, Matthew Tarantine with yeah, Tarantine with Adeptus Sororitas, then Manic Gudamani with Tyranids, Joshua Minich with Black Legion, Joe Ramuni with Goffs, and then, like I said, Thomas Ogden with his Tau. Still rolling all of them fancy plasma shots. Pretty crazy stuff, but it's He's still uh, been in the running all season, so we can see how he does. And just to, to, to balance it all out, by the way, um, Jeffrey Keister, I'm so sorry. You're on Death and Glory as well, but yes, you won the Wooden Spoon this big event as well. So they got the whole spectrum <laughs> between the top and the bottom. <laughs> yep, I actually do. I think this is actually a good sign because we see a lot of clubs putting on events now like Xenos Petting Zoo and who knows? Maybe Death or Glory was the one that organized the show down at Frogtown. Who knows? It probably is. So it's always good to see that, you know, the team kind of supporting its their members and inviting other people in as well. So that's pretty cool. So I started re I started looking at Thomas's list. And the thing that got me is it instantly went from one detachment to another. And I was like, why? Because he has he's obviously playing Tau Sept, but he has Anva, so a named character. Which is um, an ethereal, a commander, I believe it's an ethereal anyway, a, a commander in Cold Star Battlesuit, a unit of Kroot, and I think that threw me off entirely was a Sun Shark Bomber. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, that, that threw me off. I've never seen Tau bring a flyer. I don't know. I've only heard of, I think it's the Manta is the stupid big one from Forge World that's like two feet wide or something. Right. Um, but then from there we go to a Vanguard detachment where he has Long Strike, he has a Crisis Suit Commander, and there's his several bricks of Crisis Suits along with one little unit of crisis bodyguards and yet another sun shark bomber. Okay. I'm going to look this up because. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what the sun shark bomber does either. Cause I, I guess it's cool now. I guess maybe he's using it for move blocking stuff uh, or maybe what I've been seeing is it's not the flyer. It's the move blocking that it's fun with, but all right, let's take a look at this. It's 165 points of, what the? Um, T6, 12 wounds. It starts, comes standard with marker light missile pod, two secure missiles, and uh, two interceptor drones. I'm not familiar with those. So I'm just going to scroll down to the bottom here, see if I can f- see what you can swap things out. No. Okay, that's weird. It does have a pulse bomb, and I'm already jealous of it. Once per turn... After this unit, Sunshark Bomber has moved in your movement phase, you can select one unit and move it across. Roll 66 for each vehicle or monster in that unit and roll 1d6 for each model in the unit to a maximum of 10d6 uh, for each 4-plus that suffers a mortal wound. Okay, that is infinitely better than my stupid bomber. I want that. <laughs> yeah, it's... It does generally look like it's yeah. So it is generally this is a flyer that can naturally deep strike itself. That's another thing. And it has mantis. Yeah, it has mantis strike, and yeah. So talking about drones and stuff, dock drones. The drones aren't new slouch either. They come with an ion rifle, which you can either choose to be heavy three, strength seven, EP minus two, one damage, or you can choose to overcharge it. It's still a heavy three, but then it becomes strength eight, EP minus two, two damage. And then, of course, any unmodified roll of one, you suffer a mortal wound. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, Tau is Tau, and this guy knows how to do his stuff i guess i'm not a ma- i am not a master of tau by any means because i don't ever plan on owning that army but no it's still refreshing to see him change up his list i'm pretty sure it had something to do with uh another balanced status one of the balanced status late changes or something or maybe he got sick and tired of playing a whole bunch of crisis suits maybe I'm still jealous about that bomber. <laughs> <sighs> Don't get your hopes up, Eric. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> I know. Just Matt. Yeah, mine's once per game. It's once per turn. Seriously? <laughs> hey, at least it can only fly in one direction, unlike Admech and Elder Flyers that can turn multiple times. Yeah, that too. <laughs> But otherwise, that is the show down at Frogtown. So congrats to Thomas for sweeping away that one with a 
this is actually something I appreciate from BCP looking at it. They actually have a um, a per win percentage for... I don't know what OPPT game win percentage is. Maybe it's talking about their opponents? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I was on the same page. But Thomas's opponents, on average, had a 72% win rate. So he ended up having to go through what seemed probably like a really hard ladder to climb up playing Tau. No, it's always good to see that when they're, you know, well-earned victories, but also just, you know, didn't just squeak by. Uh, and that that's a new stat we're starting to see a lot more of. And it's that opponent's win percentage as well as the opponent's record is another way of uh, maybe using as a tiebreaker for uh, pairings. Yeah, we'll have to see if it develops into anything. Yep. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. But what has developed is a big change in the ITC top ten. So here's a quick rundown. Of this uh, in 10th place, Brendan Weiss knocks down a few spots there. Matt Robertson still hanging in there at ninth place. Brad Chester finally works his way back up. Some of his scores were a little late in reporting, uh, so he's back into eighth spot. Uh, the aforementioned Anthony DeVanella moves up to seventh place, and the aforementioned Thomas Ogden, who was in the lower half, is now up to sixth place. Top five remains unchanged with Innes Wilson, Jack, oh, excuse me, number four, Jack Harpster. Where did that come from? <laughs> Well, what was his last event? Um, the Huckleberry Hoedown, it looks like. Well, no, this this separates it by points value. So, so he was at Cherokee Open. We knew about that one. Depticon, Dallas Open might be a little late in reporting, so that's probably a big one. ETC uh, score, he got a big two hundred ten points there. And then, of course, Motor City Mayhem, which we reported on a few uh, months back. So there you go. It's yeah. those two scores that probably popped them up there. Yeah, probably. Because if I say the Huckleberry Hero down, it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's an RTT. That one doesn't exactly matter. Yeah. Uh, third place, David Gaylord, as we mentioned, idle this weekend. Chima in second. And, of course, in the top spot, Vic Vijay once again with 1,344 points. Uh, as we will continue later in the week, uh, check out our Facebook page. We will have the expanded ITC standings, which will include pl- individual player T-Whip, as well as uh, average first loss. And there's a big breakdown in terms of how these players are doing. So interesting. I can see right off the bat, no Anthony Birdsong. It uh, looks like he dropped out of the top 10. Uh, we'll expect to see if he can climb his way back in. He's an active player. And... Um, Yes, last minute shifting here as Nephilim is starting to not only shake up the meta, but also the rankings of the top 10. Yep, as we close in on the third quarter of the season, 
people are probably going to be scampering around a little bit to try and get their events in for the end of the year. And just looking at this a little further down, Stephen Crawley, who we mentioned a few times, he's dropped down to 12th. Ben Sherwin, who had a big win just two weeks ago, got himself in the top 10, uh, bounced himself back out of the top 10. He's now in 13th place. And Mike Porter, who was uh, doing quite a bit of damage in the top 10, has dropped all the way down to 14th, uh, excuse me, yes, 14th place. And friend of the show, Colin McDade, who also had a strong finishing this past weekend, moves up to 16th place. So we're starting to see some some movement here, and uh, glad to see it. Yep. It's going to be a big old race to the finish, definitely. I'm curious to see just how much uh, certain players uh, thrive on Nachman versus uh, some of the better players being able to adapt to the new Nephilim missions. Robert, any uh, last-minute things to say before we wrap things up today? Fully expect my Night Rampager to be posted up on the page completely done tonight because of the fact that I'm almost there. I'm very excited for that. Um, Yeah, definitely take a look at that. I'll be adding a couple painting projects in the next few weeks as well. And um, so if you have questions or comments, I'll definitely send them over to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast.